Hello, this is John Tomlinson from the Trainer Tools podcast, and I'm here today with Nikki Forster. Hi, Nikki, how are you? Hi, John, I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for inviting me on. You're very welcome, and it's it's um, it's good to have you on because uh, we want to talk about using Lego in learning, which is something that cropped up in a podcast I was talking to to our mutual contact Shirley about. Indeed. And I was uh, she mentioned this idea of using Lego in in podcast, and I was a big fan of Lego as a kid. It was my my number one go-to toy. But since becoming an adult, I haven't used Lego and I certainly haven't used Lego in learning. And I'd be quite nervous about doing so. So I'm really kind of intrigued to know how you might possibly do that. So how how is this something that you got into? What, what, how did you become aware of the, the very concept of using a, a toy like Lego in in learning, in a professional learning environment? It's the, the way in which I do a lot of my learning is by using lots of creative props. So I have whole suitcases full of all kinds of things that can assist me in getting people to use hands on. So when it came to to Lego, I've got a son who's nine and I've got a husband who loves Lego. So I have loads of Lego in the house. And I came across all these little minifigures and thought, wouldn't it be a great idea if we could use this somehow? And, you know, like, in in the traditional sense of a training session, you, you rock up and you expect there to be some kind of introductory process, um, some kind of icebreaker. And I don't like icebreakers that don't have purpose to them. So I thought I'll use these minifigures and I kind of took them all apart, had them in bowls and had them dotted around the room and got people to construct their own minifigure that represented them. And then that kind of helped us to understand a little bit more about who they were and where they were coming from for the particular topic. Now, I thought I'd invented this whole thing when I first started doing it. I, I thought, wow, this is great. I need to tell everybody about Super pleased with yourself. I really, really, me. really was. Totally creative queen here. Absolutely. absolutely. I was ready to, you know, kind of uh, paint this as a creative idea <laughs> until I started sharing it. And people went, yeah, no, I've used that. Said, oh. oh, don't you just okay. hate that? But you just hate people. Get you need people like that out of your life. I think people who've had better ideas than you sooner. Who needs that kind of negativity? <laughs> but what what it was good. It was it was good to recognise actually other people were using it and therefore it wasn't just as random as I might have thought it was. Even though you know it, it stumped me from being the genius that I thought I was. And as I started to talk to people, that I kept hearing this term Lego serious play, which I'd never come across before and started to do a bit of research into that and then realized that what I was doing was a bit more informal than that and so I've kind of amalgamated the two and I'm happy to talk about the differences between them so I I tend to do what I call learning with Lego but I fully understand the concepts around Lego serious play and I kind of merge them together now and use them in all kinds of varieties within both face-to-face but not at the moment um and and on virtual um sessions as well so that's kind of how i got into it okay well we'll talk about what we mean by lego serious play and then ask you for some 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 examples about how you use lego with learning Mm. but let me just start by asking you how what's the right way of saying this how how do you get people to take it seriously initially because if I went into it, I, I would be quite nervous about the idea of putting Lego on the table and saying to people, you know, build your build your person and tell us why. Here's, we're in a professional environment. How am I going to get people to sort of potentially cynical people to engage with something which is obviously a toy? I think it very much depends on knowing your audience 
and knowing what they might anticipate from the session. However, I've never run a session where I've introduced Lego and people haven't, adults haven't suddenly gone, there's Lego, and they just start playing with it. I've only had one response to it, which was quite interesting. But out of all the times I've used it previously, I've never had a negative response. I think it depends on how you're going to use it. So if you're using as a a one-off, like like the introductory thing with the minifigures, it just gets people up on their feet doing stuff. And it tells you an awful lot about the individuals that you've got in the room because some people will want to tell other people that they're building their minifigure wrong and it's like well hang on a second they're building it (laughs) that's their perception of them so you know and and you get to see the people that are very quiet and those are very methodical and will will, or will stand back and wait for everybody else first so they don't get first dibs and so it's just really revealing in terms of persuading people i'm not out to persuade people um, that it's a great idea. What I want to do is use it as a as a learning tool. So that there's there's two elements of persuasion, I suppose. One is that of managers uh, that are um, you know, paying the money to to actually have you there and and doing it. And if you say to them, I want to use Lego in this, then there's the the persuasion from that aspect. And then there's the other one is if you see people aren't getting involved with it, the the preamble that you can do to that. So. For me, I talk a little bit about creative learning and the fact that they may well see props on the table or things that we're going to use that they wouldn't normally associate with a bulk standard training session, you know, post-it notes, flip chart, PowerPoint. And they are there to assist our learning because in terms of how we can create better retention of learning, if you introduce an element of fun or excitement, of course, the, the chemicals, the dopamine tends to flash off the hippocampus works a lot harder and therefore it retains information a lot better and so I I can get quite technical about that kind of the the science behind it if I need to but I found in most cases I've not had to so I kind of play it by ear a little bit but I don't know if that answers your question John. Yeah I think it does basically you're saying that you don't really get much pushback you get people are just happy to engage but you've got the kind of science there if you feel you need it yeah absolutely and and I would always put put it with the extra context of we're doing this because so that they know the reason why right but I would also do with all the L&D standards that I would normally put in place of making people feel comfortable if they don't want to participate then you know checking in with them uh, so that it's not obvious to the rest of the group all of those kind of things. So I, I did mention I had one pushback, which was I was running a session for a group of military personnel and I got them to do this little Lego activity and it was all to do with them designing training. So it was part of showing them an activity, but it was also part of me understanding them um, right at the beginning of the session. And this this one guy literally got some, some legs, a body and a head, didn't even care which ones he got and just got them and put it together. And so when we went round, you know, there were some people that had got like 16 different accessories to, to, to show, you know, <laughs> that they had all these different things going on in their lives. And, you know, somebody's got a cat because they're a cat person. And, and this guy, so he just literally held it up and goes, this is me. Do you want to explain any more? No. Okay, that's fine. And we just moved on. And I did check in with him, uh, did an early break and checked in with him. So I noticed that you were quite straightforward with your answers. Is there anything I need to know? And the guy was actually suffering from PTSD, 
And he's like, I, I don't know how I'm going to cope with this this week. I don't know if I want to be here. And I was like, that's absolutely fine. You do what you want to do. If you need to step out, you step out. And, and you just do it in a not what, what we would normally do in any training session, you know, with, with all the learners that you get. I, mean, I don't believe there's such things as difficult learners. There are different learners. And it's exactly the same when you introduce any kind of activity. That's a really interesting example. But it's also interesting to know that the vast majority of people do just engage. Although, as you said, you're doing it cleverly. You're knowing your audience. So are there some audiences where you wouldn't even introduce it? The only the only audience that I might hesitate is actually young adults. Grown-ups, as in, you know, kind of those that have been in, in work work life for a long time, just relish the opportunity to do anything other than you know bulk standard work and if you put lego on the table they will build you don't need to give them anything you know any instructions or anything they just grab it and start building stuff but i find that young adults because they're at that stage of they're wanting to be seen more grown up they wanted to be seen more professional that they hold back a little bit until they've given the instructions sometimes so they're a little bit more hesitant around it it's like well this is kids toys and i'm not a kid are you saying that you know and, and i've not really had that to a big degree but I have done some work in colleges where I've just kind of hesitated a little bit and it's generally it's worked fine once I've explained it and explained how I've used it in business and even you know used it with directors and stuff like this so again I think it's all about setting context. Well that makes sense yeah people that age are trying to differentiate themselves from childhood so it does yeah as you say you should be sensitive around that but that's interesting then so you've even used this kind of with more senior people perhaps where I know I personally would shy away slightly from using this kind of technique with a more senior group. Yeah, I think with a senior group, it's a, it's a much bigger element to it. So it's not usually a one-off activity that I would use with a senior group. It's There's more theory involved in it. Um, the builds that, that you do are slightly more longer and complex. And of course, you then you're coming back to the, the reality. Well, how does that fit in with, you know, strategy or uh, whatever it is, or vision or things like that that you're talking about? A lot of what I do, it tends to be more with new managers, supervisors, trainers, where we're talking about things that link into discussion, change management, assertiveness, it's those kind of that that level that I prefer working with it at. Yeah, I think I've just got a slight concern always about coming across as the kind of training David Brent sort of thing with this, <laughs> you know what I mean, with that kind of gimmicky arriving in the training room in a clown car or something like that just to kind of try and get some sort of creative juices flowing because I love that idea about you were saying before about kind of you know getting the hippocampus working and breaking the sort of that adult state a bit and getting people more playful I do love all of that but it's you've got to be quite clever in how you do it so it's reassuring to know that you are kind of thinking science thinking carefully and thinking through how to do it even if that's not always visible to the learner who may just be seeing the, the you know the, the playful aspect definitely and and also the, there's no harm in setting stuff up prior to the event so actually you know, letting people know that part of the event is going to be using lego as a tool for being able to explore some of the discussions that you're going to be using and then sending them off with some links to look at because you know lego serious play itself is a, is a big thing 
if you're just using one-off activities to do things, you don't really need that stuff. But if you're using it as a full event, then you definitely need something to to get people to understand why it is you're doing what you're doing. Okay, let's dig a bit deeper into this Lego Serious Play thing then. So yes. where did it come from? Where did it originate? So Lego, as you know, has been around for quite some time. Back in the, I think it started off in the 30s. And around about the 50s, they started building the Lego bricks. But about the 80s they started to use it in education so i think they actually had an educational department that they set up in the 80s because they recognized that you know this can be used as a tool not just as a as a playing aspect in 1996 they got together and they started to talk about well if we can use it in education how can we use it in business and so they put together quite a comprehensive way of being able to use lego in terms of a structured process to be able to explore answers to questions and they called it Lego serious play. And what's interesting is, is yeah, I don't think a lot of people that I know hadn't heard of it until the last couple of years, but in 2010, that document that they created with all the methodologies and the principles, they uh, created what's called an open source so that anybody could get their hands on it. Anybody can see the methodologies and the principles. And as long as you adhere to those, you can call it Lego Serious Play. There, there was some talk about having to be accredited to run it, but that was prior to the open source becoming available. And so what it does, Lego Serious Play in itself follows several different things. The first one, it talks about it being a lean-in event. So the best way of me trying to you know, make this visual is if, if you imagine yourself in a meeting room and you as the facilitator are asking a question... People go internally in order to answer that question. They go into their head. Some people might doodle and stuff, but the majority of people go into their head to try and answer the question. And those people that answer the questions are usually the ones that are quite vocal and happy to talk out loud. When you introduce something else like Lego and you say, build me the answer to this question, and everybody is then building their representation of it, what you then find is that everybody has their answer in front of them. So it becomes much more visible but also the interpretation of their answer is very meaningful to them. So you can do this in in lots of different ways, but ultimately then it's about looking to, well, what does that representation mean specifically to that person? And in Lego Series Play, it follows three different elements. So it follows challenge, which is where you pose the question, the build, where they build individually to start with in order to create their representation of what the answer is, and then they share. So everybody gets to share. If you're following the rules to a T, then everybody in the room gets to share out loud. And when you, if anybody has a question, it's very non-judgmental. So it's about, well, what is, how does that what does that represent rather than, well, why did you build that? So it's not about why did you do something? It's more about, you know, you've got a ladder there. What does that represent with the build that you've done? So it, it holds back a lot of the overlapping of talking. It allows the introverts particularly to be heard. It allows everybody to have a voice, but ultimately it gets people to lean in. It's, it's about having that hands-on experience of doing it. So when you say lean in, you're talking literally physically, people will actually physically lean forward. Yeah. And, and as and, soon as your physiology changes and you're leaning forward, you're automatically more involved in something. That's really interesting. And I love the way you kind of describe that there as well. The fact that your answer is in front of you as a physical object 
and therefore yeah. it's more visible and everybody's kind of you know sort of equally got their answer there uh, and you're absolutely right otherwise certain people will talk before other people and the, the dynamic of the room will will follow that so how how would this change the dynamic of the discussion it's really interesting so what you tend to find is that those that are the quietest ones sometimes have have very profound answers um and once they get to share them they get listened to a lot more readily it's not the right term and it's because they're trying to explain something and they get seen in a different light so the dynamics of the whole group changes because the whole kind of 80 20 rule goes out the window you know 20 percent of the people are doing 80 percent of the talking you don't get that with this kind of activity because everybody's doing the talking everybody is listening and what you tend to find is that several people might have the same type of answer but they've built it very differently because of course their brains are different and they're coming at it from different angles so you start to get into the realms of metaphors with things. You know, somebody might have a, a tree as part of their answer, but it might not represent growth. It could be something completely different. It could be, you know, about reaching up high or about um, being evergreen or deciduous, you know, and it's whatever they want it to be. So there's no right or wrong answer to their build. And I think that also helps because, again, if you think about old style meeting, you ask a question, people might not want to answer because they might get the wrong answer. If you build it, it's just your answer. It's not right or wrong. It's just your answer. And do you manage to keep, well, it's a stupid closed question I was going to ask then. Sorry, let me ask that differently. How do you manage to keep the whole room engaged if so many different people are talking about their model? So you've got one person doing that, you might have 15 people silent. How are you managing to keep, if you go around the whole room, how do you manage to keep the whole room engaged? I think that this is where I kind of split off a little bit from what the Lego serious play uh, methodologies state and what I would do in reality as a trainer and facilitator. So the, the Lego serious play kind of wants everybody to be heard individually. Um, and, and you're right, if you've got 15 people, you're going to get not necessarily bored quite quickly, but it takes a lot of brain power. Oh, oh I'd to get bored. Engaged. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as a, putting on my training facilitator hat of course what i would then do is go for, i've got 15 people or 16 people in the room i'm either gonna get them into small groups to discuss and then debrief but everybody needs to be heard it doesn't mean to say that everybody has to hear everybody's right okay that, i think that's an important point yeah and you're talking then about some of the key principles uh, that sit underneath Lego Serious Play, and I think you've mentioned some of those already. Is there any other key principles that that characterise Lego Serious Play? There are other things such as I suppose I have mentioned a few already. Like, there's no wrong answers. Uh, the the term "think with your hands" is often used, so it's not about having an answer and then building to your you know your your brain answer, but it's about starting to construct your answer with your with your lego bricks and then allowing your it's almost like allowing your brain in order to just engage and go oh, okay no I, I can see where that's going but to be honest it doesn't matter what lego serious play is saying if you've got a brain that organizes itself first before doing you're still going to do that regardless of what anybody else says also listening with your eyes so this is about seeing what's in front of you and understanding the interpretation that's been given to it it also states, and I think this is where I move away slightly from the process again, is everybody participates. 
And whilst I agree that everybody should get the opportunity to participate, I'm very well aware that there will be some people who, you know, will really shy away from that. So I might, again, putting on my trainer facilitator hat, think about a different way of them being able to do that if they're not ready to do it at that moment. So, so there is that kind of opportunity, as you say, that everyone gets the opportunity to, to, to be involved, but not, but not forced oh, to, absolutely. you know, you must play with Lego. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're never going to get any engagement from it. And that's not the point of it at all. But for me, using the Lego is another way of engaging people in having discussions and then moving forward to wherever you need to go to. The, the whole point isn't just about we're here to play with Lego. Yeah, I'm not keen on the phrase, listen with your eyes. I've, it doesn't sit nicely with me as a phrase, but the more I kind of reflect on it, I think it's actually making quite an interesting point that, you know, you, you use your eyes, you use your, you look at the model and you take in what the model is trying to say. I, I, I don't particularly like the phrase, but I kind of like what it's trying to say. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you on that one. It feels weird to say it out loud, which is, I think, why I laughed when I said it and shouldn't have done. Um, but the... <laughs> The concept of it is that you are looking at what's being built and you are listening to what somebody is saying and you're not judging them for what they're doing. You're just literally taking that in. I think laughing while you say it, like you said, is kind of a way of keeping it slightly at arm's length, isn't it? And mm. sort of saying, this isn't my phrase, but... Yeah. But yeah, I do think it is making an important point and a bit like thinking with your thinking with your hands, which to me makes a lot more sense because i think that it feels much more like a natural sensation that we do engage our hands a lot when we think so to me that that feels a little bit more like a natural fit but just that listen with my eyes i kind of thinking that sounds a bit rubbish but actually then you think oh no okay i can kind of see what they're trying to say how do you use it let's land this in some actual examples you mentioned one already with your minifigure thing when people arrive do you have any other examples perhaps a a more complex example about how you use the lego in a real life situation yeah absolutely so i ran a presentation skills workshop last year virtually um and everybody got sent uh, a box of lego and because of course they're all working from home and stuff as well and we use this lego throughout the entire program and I used it partly in some of the way that I've already been talking about. So introduce yourself using using the bricks. There were some fantastic ones. It was it was absolutely just random, I think is the word <laughs> to, to use well, what people were putting together. Um, and b- because it, uh, it, there was a specific box that you can get called Lego Serious Place, about £25. And it has lots of different types of bricks within it that you wouldn't normally get within kits. So um, there were a bunch of software engineers and there was lots of tools that they had in their hands, you know, like dig diggers, uh, shovels, not diggers, shovels to be able to, sh- to dig themselves out of holes and spanners for fixing things. So they were quite literal with their accessories. But also later down the line, we used it to talk about the attributes that they needed to do their job well. So a really simple exercise was uh, to get them to get an A4 sheet of paper in front of them, divide it up into six and to think about the skills that they needed in order to do the job well and then select different pieces for those six different areas and then to write about it and then to, to share one of those areas. And that brought up quite a lot of different discussion because they're all pretty much doing the same job. 
So when somebody was talking about, you know, I've got this, there was like a little globe thing. I've got this globe here because I need to be able to know exactly what's going on all the way around. I need a, uh, to, to look down on things from a big picture perspective. And then somebody else was, you know, had a little chest of uh, like with little gold coins in it because they wanted to squirrel away all the little treasures that they were learning and it was just fascinating to talk about that and then to bring it all back together again with these people and talk about, so you're all doing the same job, but you've all got different things. So t- talk me through that. And I think a lot of the stuff with this, it's partly about the activity, but it's really about the debrief. You have to have a really good reason to do the activity to debrief it and make it a learning point for what you're doing because i firmly believe with any activity not just lego if you're not going to do a really good debrief around it there's no point in doing it it's just a bit of fun and it's a bit of oh look i've got a, a nice jazzy toy that we can use so the debrief is always really important to to use so that was just one way in in which I used it and it worked really well virtually everybody holding things up to their cameras and taking photographs of them and I got a platform that we used to to, to upload everything so that was one that's a really good example as well and I think you, you hit on another kind of principle there as well which is around the debrief and as you say I think it's probably true of all activities in in learning and development the debrief is at least half the battle if not more yeah but especially in something like lego if you're not landing it in the learning afterwards and having that discussion that it that it generates then you are kind of you know you're getting 10 percent of the value from the from it i guess yeah did you have another example i do i do a couple of others are usually before in development centers where you've got people coming in you know, for like big recruitment things and um, the hr team wanted an activity where they could see how people would interact with them so this is a you know a non-functioning team these are just random not random people obviously they've been invited uh, these are people coming in for an interview and that they, they wanting to see their their behaviors under some pressure so i've used a very simple box of lego there's a box called collections lego doing them are about five pound a box and you get the box you get the instructions and there's three mini builds that you're meant to build from it but the interesting thing is if you introduce that which is a, quite a small box of lego to let's say 10 people and then all the instructions are all in one booklet so they can't separate it out all the pieces are all mixed up together and you can literally just give them some very brief instructions of you've got eight minutes in which to build these uh, three mini builds. Off you go. And you just see what happens. And what I would be looking for is personally is I'd be looking for the people that ask all the questions. You know, can I do this? Can I do that? Can, can we tear the instruction manual into pieces so that we can each have a piece each? Uh, th- that's what I look for in development centers. But you do see people just kind of trying to do it themselves and working out where do all these pieces go and they're not particularly hard builds i think one's like a dog one's a tree and there might be a helicopter quite little small pieces so I've, I've used it in that way as well and the idea isn't to trip people up or trick people it's just to see how they deal with that scenario and again for me, it's about the questions that come afterwards, in a, and particularly in a development centre or an assessment centre. It's like, how did you react to that? How would have you reacted to it if you needed to do it again? So it's not all based on their, their sole interaction. So, so that's another one. Also, I've had quite a few experiences of using it in coaching uh, as well. It works well just on a one-to-one basis. 
particularly around building a scenario, something that maybe somebody can't get over, they can't get past it, and you've talked about it and you've given them loads of coaching questions and it's just not hitting for some reason. In that case, I've introduced Lego as well and talked a lot more about storytelling and metaphors and what does this represent and how would you build it if you had different bricks where are you going to go get those bricks from and uh, all that kind of thing so it works well for that scenario too again i think it, what you're saying is it, it, it's just a way of triggering a different part of the brain to create yes. something and opening something up and then that being used as a kind of a catalyst for discussion yeah it's the same as using for, for me it's the same as using any prop that I would use. Right. It, it allows you to, it, first of all, it introduces an element of, oh, this is different. So it gets the brain firing in a slightly different way. And then it allows people to get involved in it with their hands. So there's that physiological element of moving stuff around and, and playing with it. But ultimately, it follows the same principles as anything that you do within a learning development activity. The setup has to be clear. You have to facilitate whatever is happening while it's happening. And you have to debrief. And it being Lego, it gives you a kind of essentially infinite possibilities. I think yes. that's the bit that's kind of quite intriguing about it because it is yeah. such a which is why it's obviously such a classic toy that still survives t to this day, this, despite there being so many other alternatives on the shelves in the toy shop. Logo, Lego is still there, you know, as, as a favourite toy. And I think it's that reason. It's just such such infinite possibilities, just a, a sort of a, such, such a fascinating creative tool. It really is. And I think when people see Lego, they are quite happy, like I said at the beginning of this, that just, they take bricks and just start putting it together. And it's because we, we all know Lego as either you you know you get it in a box with the instructions and you can build stuff and it can stay on on the mantelpiece <laughs> for ages. We have lots of Lego in our house. Or you can then just take a box and you can make whatever you want with it. And because it's your creation, you can do what you want with it. So another activity that that I use is create a unique creature. And uh, again, this is predominantly around you've all been given the same instructions but you've all come up with different you know end results and then talking about how that relates within a team that, that's ultimately what it is but because the creature is unique to them there's no right or wrong answer and that's a lot of what lego is it's like my helicopter doesn't look like your helicopter but it's a helicopter because i've said it is and it takes away that i'm right you're wrong yeah i remember when i gave my kids lego for christmas and they would take it away to their rooms and i think oh, please ask me to help please ask me to help <laughs> It's something about it, isn't it? Which is just just draws you in. Um, yeah. But like like you say, I mean, the, the no wrong answer thing, or, or the different right answers, I suppose, is is the interesting point, isn't it? Why is your right answer different from my right answer? What is that telling us? And it's just un unpicking and, and thinking about that. If I was going to start, or listeners to this were going to start using Lego with their learners, what advice would you give them? So I would say, first of all, do a bit of research around it. There's lots of free advice out there and, and paid advice as well. But if, you're, if you've got Lego and you want to get involved, then I would say the first thing to do is, is start slow. So you're not going to get straight into doing a massive activity with Lego without having done the preamble side of things to it. So that yeah, I mentioned about the minifigures. That's a really easy option to do that just gets you used to seeing how people interact with lego and the kind of things that, that that happens around that but also with your learners you know you can get a bit of lego fatigue 
So you don't you don't want to have it. If, if you're in a corporate environment and you're using it, then using it for a special event is going to create lots of engagement and energy. Using it for every event is going to be, oh, God, not Lego again. So you need to be careful with how you're, how you're doing it. If you're um, freelance like I am, then it's about working out whether it's the right thing to, to use for, for your learners and, and how you're going to do it. But I would say introduce your learners to it slowly just by having something like the minifigures or there's a duck activity that I think Shirley was talking about on your podcast last time where you've got these uh, six bricks. They're specific bricks and have got little googly eyes on, on one of the bricks to make that the head. But basically you ask people to, to create a duck. And of course, if you've got 15 people in the room, you've got 15 ducks. And then you yeah. can, depending on what you want to do with it, you can either leave it like that and say, you know, look, we're all individuals. What do we all want from the session? Or you can build it into something more. I tend to use it a lot for some, like prototyping. So you've got your duck, right? Name your duck. And oh, it's, it's, it's Betty. Right. Take your duck apart. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I don't want to destroy Betty. And they're like, create another duck okay, and create another duck. And you get them to do that several times. And then and everybody's looking at everybody else's ducks. And then eventually I said to them, right, create your forever duck. Now, some people might go back to creating Betty. But most people will go on because they've recognized other people in the room have done something slightly differently or they've created a better duck since Betty. And so it's all about the don't stop at your first answer. Move on from there. And it's a good one to do to get people used to handling Lego, but also to realize that the first thing that you do isn't necessarily the right answer. You can swap and change it around. So that's quite a nice one to use as a as a kind of a, a slow burn into something that might be a bigger event where you're asking them to build what communications looks like within the team, for example, which is a much bigger, you know, you're going to need a lot more blocks <laughs> for, for, for that one. Uh, and a lot more time to then dive into it and work out what all the pieces mean. Well, again, it just feels like the sort of infinite possibilities. It's only kind of uh, your imagination. Yeah. You know, is is the only limit, really. So if people want to kind of take this further, do you have a website or something that they can have a look at or contact you to get more info on Lego Serious Play and using Lego in learning? I do, um, both of those. So the, the easiest thing to do is if they go onto the website, which is curiouslighthouse.co.uk, they'll find a couple of different pages on there, one of which is Learning with Lego, um, and that has all the information on, and then there's another online learning. So all of those are different ways of learning um, online. So I've got an introduction to Lego Serious Play, but I've also got Learning with Lego, which is the more informal aspect of it. And I've also got a, a one-to-one version where we have Zoom calls either end. We kind of bookend it and I get to send out a, a great kit that I've put together of, of Lego. So all of that is on there. And, and they're probably the, the best places to start. But also if they want to get in contact with me via email, it's nikki.forster at curiouslighthouse.co.uk. Okay, I'll put those links on the podcast hosting site as well. So in the blurb Thanks. on there, people, people will be able to get those and click those if they want to do so. Wonderful. Well, listen, thank you very much, Nikki. And it's uh, really interesting to hear about this, what to me is an unknown area, unexplored world of using Lego <laughs> in learning. So uh, it's been really interesting and, and it's something I'm going to reflect on. I, I don't know if I'm quite ready to dive in, if I'm honest, yeah. but I am definitely tempted and I'm definitely going to think more about it. So thank you very much for your time and your insights. It's really appreciated. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much for having me. 